Hi, everyone. It's Paul Ward here, and welcome to another 15 Minutes. I'm very excited today. We've got a special guest, John Millette with Main Street Mortgage. John, welcome. Good to be here, Paul. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show. This is fantastic. Absolutely. And today we're talking about the three big don'ts when buying a house. And, uh, you know, I love talking to you, John, because you you definitely think outside the box. And uh, what you have to share today, I think, is not what folks are going to uh, are going to assume. And so uh, that's really why I wanted to have you on, because you have a, a different way of thinking about these things. Yeah. So so let's jump right in, John. What is the what is the first big thing? The first big don't. Well, when, the first big don't. The first big don't, in my opinion, is to not listen to the media when it comes to first time home buyers. You know, there was a sub, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that showed that uh, uh, that that the payments for a new home were fifty two percent greater than the rents, and they were really kind of discouraging. Uh, first-time home buyers, and and I'm here to say that as much as I think the Wall Street Journal is so prestigious, it's a great publication. They're 100% wrong. I mean, think about it for a minute. In our area, the average rent or the median rent is around $3,200 a month. Let's say you have a new house payment. Let's say that you 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 go ahead and uh, and that new house payment is $5,800 a month. I mean, it's a lot more money than $3,200. Right. What nobody is really talking about is the fact that the rents rise. Once you get your mortgage, it stays the same. You can always refinance it if rates go down. But let's just say that the that the payment is at $5,800. Well, if the rent is at $3,200 and it rises 3 to 4% a year, within 30 years, that payment will be $10,000 a month. And so now you have somebody who rents, who rented all their life because they were told, no, don't buy. And they're stuck with a rent payment on retirement of about $10,000 a month. People think, well, that's never going to happen, but it has happened the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, you can count on rents rising. And the other thing that people don't realize is, is that because of the higher rates, and I realize that the rates are higher than they used to be, they're not, they're not, they're a little bit higher than the average over the last 30 years, mm -hmm. but they are a little bit elevated right now. And the right. one thing that people are forgetting about more than anything else, and this is crazy because when the rates were low, it was like, okay, we don't even talk about itemization or for tax savings because no one was ever over the $25,000 itemized deduction uh, for couples and for $14,000 for um, individuals. Some more for individuals and, and as well, not as much as the individuals had more opportunity for tax itemization during that time. But generally speaking, because the rates were so low, Nobody was really itemizing their returns. Mm -hmm. Well, now, if I have a $750,000 loan, which is the highest that you can deduct for, my deduction, when I end up counting all my taxes and I itemize those deductions, it comes to $1,544 a month that I don't have to pay tax on. That's huge. It's huge. <laughs> so I mean, it's, it's essentially bringing your... I mean, in a way, it's kind of bringing your monthly payment down, if you think about it, because you're still exactly. making the payment, but come tax time, you're saving over $1,000 exactly. a month in taxes. Exactly. It's huge. It's a really big number. You simply ask for more deductions from your employer, get paid more. You just want to make it so that at the end of the year at tax time, you don't owe taxes and they don't owe you. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, I mean, 
the tax benefits right now of home ownership because of the high rates are incredible. And so then you say, oh, okay, well, so now it's not really 5,800, it's more like, you know, 4,600 or, or, or 4,300. Right. But then all of a sudden, or, you know, you're starting to get some parity between that and rent. And, mm -hmm. uh, and they don't think also, the thing that really get, bugs me is that it just kind of gets me is, is that they're not looking also at buy versus rent versus the underbelly, the stuff that you normally don't talk about. Right. You know, the fact that uh, uh, married couples who own homes, 50% chance less that they divorce. Children do better in school. There's a direct correlation for people who are involved more in the community. I mean, they're rooted. And that, that rootedness makes it so that they want to be there, so that there's something for them and for intergenerational wealth. I mean- so you, Kind of pride, anybody, pride of ownership. Yeah, pride of ownership, exactly right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when you take into account that the rents are gonna pass your mortgage payment at some point, when you take into account that there's itemized deductions, and when you take into account that um, people who wait too long are gonna price themselves out of the market. And they mm -hmm. do that because their income may go up 3% a year. If they make 100000 a year, you know, it goes up 3% a year. That's a good raise. Right. Well, homes that are six or seven or $800,000, when they go up 3 to 4% a year, all of a sudden it's so disproportional that at some point you're going to be priced out of the market. Right. So the opportunity for a first-time home buyer, if you can buy responsibly, now is the time to do that. And, and also because rates are high and less people can afford the mortgage payments, there's more opportunity, of course, to get your offer accepted. Well, that's a, I was just going to, uh, I was just thinking that because I don't know where I heard it, but if rates go down is one to 2%, there's going to be something like three to 5 million more people out home shopping. Exactly. exactly. I remember, you know, during right. COVID, it was, I mean, even though we were in kind of COVID times or just kind of towards the end of COVID, when rates were still historically low, it seemed right. like there were 15 offers on every property, right? Exactly. And so exactly. they don't tell you that, you know, somebody got the two, two and a half percent rate, but yep. there were 14 people that lost out. Exactly. Right? So yeah, in fact, for every percent that the rate goes down, 5 million more people qualify to buy. Wow. So it's, it's a huge, it, as far as being able to get a property that you want in a market with really tight inventory. And, you know, inventory is not going to, the prices are, are really, when you really think about it, in my opinion, prices are far from plunging. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now in, in the United States, we're down by some, some uh, uh, people from um, analysis that they do, we're down by 7.5 million homes need wow. to be built in order to have equilibrium between buying, between supply and demand. Mm-hmm. I also tell folks that, you know, your first home doesn't have to be your dream home, right? Just right. get your foot in the door. I mean, yeah. live there for a few yeah. years and then move up to the yep. the house that you were dreaming about. But yeah. you yeah. kind of wait, wait too long. And then you, you know, you rent forever and you never have an opportunity to even get your foot in the door. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, Paul. I was uh, doing a presenting a first time home buyer seminar uh, a few weeks ago, and there were all young couples in there, all millennials except one individual, one lady that was just great. Susan is her name. And um, it was, um, um, she was older and she had not bought. And she basically told everybody in the room, make sure you buy because mm -hmm. when you do it, when you're young, it's much better. Yep. And uh, she's a great gal. So we're, 
hoping to work with her a little bit as well. So there's never, it's always a good time to buy no matter what your age is. But the facts are, is that you got to really move on it as soon as you can, because you want to make sure that your your mortgage is paid off as much as possible when right. you retire. Not having those payments is phenomenal. What's the What's the second big don't? Well, the second big don't is don't be a prisoner in your home. It's kind of an irony right now, but it's that that because people are in homes with interest rates between two and a half and three percent, they are so enamored with the idea that they have to stay in that home. Right. The issue is, is that it may not be moving their life forward. Now, they mm -hmm. can responsibly buy a, a, a different type of home. Maybe it's more expensive. Maybe it's a downsize, whatever it might be. I'll give you an example. We have a, a, a friend of ours who, who decided to buy a larger home. And they went out looking. She looked at a house. She loved the kitchen. She said, I'll buy the kitchen. And they basically bought the kitchen and threw in the house, right? Right. And, and because of that one change, she's cooking more. Families coming over more. They're eating more. They're around the table more. I mean, it's changed the entire culture and zen, you might say, of their family. Right. right. So when they're at 3%, people say, well, I've got to stay with this rate. And now I'm saying you got to be really careful about it because 3% is a great rate and you pay things up much faster, right. a lot less interest. But if it's holding you back from moving your life forward to where you want it to be, and you can responsibly buy something that's going to work for you, don't let the rate be a determinant as to whether or not you need to, to invest in something else. Right. I did notice after COVID that nobody wanted to move, right? Because they all refied, right? To the two and right. a half, three percent. And it's like, right. well, I can I can live with my mother-in-law because yeah. my rate is so low. Yeah. And yeah. now we're seeing, you know, cracks in the armor, right? It's like I, you right. know what, I don't care what the rate is. I just can't live with my mother-in-law anymore. Right. I gotta, right. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get, get out. out. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, the rates are, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter what the rates are. It's just, right. I can't, I can't handle this, this living situation. Yeah, exactly. So, and then with low inventory, it, you know, you see that prices stay high, right? You'd think that yes. prices would come down with, yes. with such uh, uh, high rates, but because inventory is so low, I mean, go back to high school, you know, econ 101 class, right? supply and demand, um, yep. you know, but we just haven't seen really We've seen a little bit of price drops, right? Because, I mean, sellers got a little greedy. I think sellers got a little yeah. greedy. So a yeah, yeah. little bit of a dip in the market, but not- A little bit of softening, but nothing that's, no no crash. Nothing no. nothing below 5%, as a matter of fact. In fact, a lot of offers that we're working with our clients on now are all above asking. Wow. That's, yeah. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. So. Um, what's the third big- don't. When, well, the when third big don't that is a really big one right now, and this one's huge. It's just it's it's just amazingly huge, and that is is that the old saying that uh, uh, what everybody's heard about on reverse mortgages, the myths that are surrounding that, and I will admit that in the past reverse mortgages have been horrible, but uh, as of five to ten years ago, they've started getting better and better and better to where there's no. There's not even an inkling of what they were back in the old day. And 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 for folks that don't know, John, what is a what is a reverse mortgage? A reverse mortgage is primarily for people that are 62 year age, 62 years of age or older, and they have equity in their home enough to where they no longer have to make a mortgage payment. And if they have enough equity, then they'll actually get a line of credit. 
because when people retire, a lot of times people are out living their funds. And as a result of that, they run out of money. Mm -hmm. And so a reverse mortgage, there was an individual by the name of Robert Merton, who was a Nobel laureate. In other words, he received the Nobel Prize. And he said that in the United States is the only place in the in the world uh, that's, you know, first world countries that looks down on reverse mortgages because all of these other countries have them. They use them. They're called equity releases. And they're, you know, he really talks about the idea that they can be very helpful and they're not for everybody. Mm -hmm. But if you have an individual that has five hundred thousand dollars in the bank and their home, they owe something on their home, not a lot, but a little bit. And they decide to say, no, I'm going to live out my days because I want to give my family the equity in this home. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they blow through the $500,000 and then they have to do a reverse mortgage. Right. What people are learning now is that if you do the reverse mortgage and don't touch the $500,000 and just let it grow and do its thing and scale because you're not taking money out of it, then that amount of money all of a sudden is huge by Mm -hmm. the end of life. And what's really interesting, Paul, is, is that the reverse mortgage is so unique because you have it in a platform of a property that's appreciating. Mm-hmm. Uh, HUD guidelines show that properties appreciate about 4% a year. California can be a little bit more right now. It's maybe not as much, but generally speaking, prices are still rising. Mm-hmm. And so as a result of that, because of the equity increase, is so much greater than the increase in the loan, you still, in many cases, will maintain a positive equity position. Very seldom, uh, with the new reverse mortgage uh, guidelines out, will there be a house that's upside down upon leaving the home or upon decease. So it's a it's it's a magic, it's a magic loan uh, used for the right reasons. It's got to be done responsibly. It's got to be structured correctly, and that's really what we focus on. And that opportunity you said starts at 62? 62. Yeah, you, there's some that are as low as age 55, but realistically, wow. they very get the very best products. Mm-hmm. It's uh, 62. And you can actually get those loans up to $4 million. Wow. So, yeah, you've got to have a lot of equity, but they are lifesavers. Everybody that I have, the biggest risk is not to take the risk because right. people that get into it, I had one lady, this is really interesting. I gave her the proposal. She calls me up and she says, no way. And then she called me later and said, I read the proposal. I read everything about it. I want to move forward. Mm-hmm. So people become educated that all of a sudden they go, wait a minute, there's a line of credit on this. And the line of credit it grows over time. And, you know, there's so many things that you can do. And in fact, we can give your listeners or, or viewers the uh, article on that. Yeah. And on the, uh, on the first time home buyers, I'll send them a signed free copy of my book. Wonderful. What's the, what's the name of your book? Buy your first home today. Buy your first home today. So we'll have a we'll have a link and folks can uh, to the YouTube channel and folks can provide their uh, their email and then we'll 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 ship yeah. out the ship out the book. Yeah, Wonderful. and uh, you know, to me, I grew up in the projects. I grew up on welfare and food stamps as a teenager and and living in the projects. And I can tell you that there is just a very something that I call it sacred, not in a religious sense, but sacred home ownership. I mean, home ownership is a sacred trust. It's something that provides, it's where your your kids come home. It's where your kids grow up. It's where they take their first steps. It's where you have your grandchildren come over. It's Mm -hmm. a really sacred space. Chinese um, uh, culture says, 
you don't find the house, but the house finds you. Interesting. Something really, really very important about home ownership because of the grounding that it gives you. And so you want to do everything you can to responsibly be able to buy a home and responsibly take care of it, live in it, make sure it's the right home for you. And you, you, you have a philosophy too, John, about uh, about legacy. You and I have talked before, and yeah. I, I like that. I like that philosophy. Explain that to our audience. Yeah, the the legacy is is that home ownership is a legacy. When you have a home, you are building a legacy within your home. That doesn't mean you can't do it as a renter, mm -hmm. but when you own a home, you're rooted. You're grounded. You're mm -hmm. going to be there for a while. It's a place where your where your family. That's why people who rent, generally we have people in our neighborhood that rent, they don't really come out and be neighbors that much just because they know that at some point they're going to be moving. Right. And so there's something about the grounding and 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 it's not whether someone is irresponsible that doesn't own, that's not have to do with it at all. People have great scores, great credit that rent. It's the idea of being able to have stability. It's being able to know that you're grounded, that you have something that you can pass on as a legacy for generations. And that starts from the time you buy your home, from the time you start living it, all the events that happen. It's as if that house is part of the family that has those memories that mm -hmm. has that legacy. Yeah, I love that philosophy. You know, my wife is a teacher, been a teacher for over 25 years. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, the the nothing, I'm not knocking renters, but they're more transient, you know, the kids yeah. come and go, they don't, they don't finish out right at that school, you know, they're, well, they're... That's, and they have to, that has to be that way because if rents go up, they have to move right? or, you know, whatever the situation might be. And right. so that's why the stability aspect of home ownership is so such a legacy. Mm -hmm. no, very, very important. Well, this is all, all great information. And, and John, how do, how do folks, uh, how do folks reach you? Where, where are well, you located? You... Yeah, I'm in Westlake Village, California. Mm -hmm. uh, you can call my cell phone, which is 805-432-2382. Um, and you can email me at john at mainstreetloans.com. Uh, anything that we can do to help you, that's what we want to do. Even if you're not ready to buy, just ask the question, um, what would it take for me to have this loan? What do I need to put in an ADU in my backyard? You know, mm -hmm. a dwelling unit. Right. Maybe increase your passive income for your rent. There's mm -hmm. so many things that you can do as a homeowner as well. Wonderful. And and your book again, what was the name of your book again? Well, Buy Your First Home Today. And uh, it really focuses on stories who of people who thought that they could not qualify, but actually could. And so it's it's not only informational, but it's also aspirational. Wonderful. Well, we'll, we'll make sure to have a link. And then if folks want to provide their their yeah. email you can you can ship out a ship out a copy of, of your book to them that'd be great i'd love it paul well john thank, thank you, you for letting me be on your show absolutely john thank you so much for for being on this uh episode of 15 minutes we've we've loved having you and hopefully folks out there i'm sure they've learned some some valuable information and uh if of course if you have any questions reach out to john directly or or myself paul at home and ranch and we'll see you on the next edition of 15 Minutes.